Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official SEC. I'm your host, Alec, and we're joined by my two bros, Holt Smash and Mr. J.B. Brooks. What's up, Holt? Not much, man. Just living the dream. Uh, I actually had to work today, which kind of sucked, but I just ate some Chipotle, so I'm feeling way better. Mr. J.B. Brooks, you're dialing in separately. Are you long-distancing today? Yeah, I am long-distancing away from Holt, so tonight Holt and I are not together. It's a little bit of a different setting. Is there trouble in paradise? No, no trouble in paradise. I was in paradise. He knows so. He knows what he did. <laughs> Are you on a break officially, or is this like one of those uh, gray areas? Um, I guess you can say we're on a break, except uh, I'm Ross and she's Rachel. She's, yes. Holt, Holt, Holt is Rachel. Oh, oh I mean, Holt, Holt was pretty hot at that point then. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, it sounds like, I'm, it sounds like JB's trying to say that I'm really beautiful. Did y'all at least watch the Florida and Miami game last night together? Oh, yeah, we definitely did. Um, actually, it was a really fun trip. Uh, made the 50-minute drive down to Tunica um, to see the new sports book down there that they just opened. Um, I don't know how long ago it was, but it's been in, like, the last year or so. So, I got to check that out. That was really cool. And I, like, placed a couple future bets for the season. So, pretty uh, pretty exciting little uh, Saturday. 50, 50 minutes to Tunica from where you are in Memphis seems a little bit short. JB, why is that under an hour? Well, for one, uh, you know, we used to live in Collierville and you used to have to drive 385 and then 240 and then down 55 to get there. But now, we're, you know, we cut, <clears throat> we're like 20 minutes closer living where we are in East Memphis. So it cuts down a lot of the driving. But also, if you live in Collierville now, you can take 269 all the way to Tunica and get there in 55 minutes. So it's a lot better to get to Tunica now. 50 minutes to scratch your gambling itch isn't that bad. So y'all watched the Florida and Miami game together which with a bunch of bros and play some bets. Did you stay for the Arizona-Hawaii game? No, we did not. Uh, it, was, it was just uh, we were both kind of tired at that point, and we both just wanted to get back and, you know, get back and watch the uh, second half in the comfort of our home instead of, you know, sitting there. Did y'all finish watching the Arizona-Hawaii game? I finished. I think Holt was uh, dozing off through parts of the fourth quarter, but I watched the entire uh, second half of that game. It was it was a really good game. I did not make it through the entire game, but I saw the last second play on Twitter this morning, and it reminded me of what play, JB? Uh, you're probably going to say the uh, Super Bowl 
Rams Titans, Titans. Yeah, Rams Titans Super Bowl. It's sad. It's sad. Except for the only difference is that at least uh, Stephen Air threw the ball at that point. But Khalil Mack ran for like what was that thirty yards almost. Well, Score. Khalil Mack plays on defense, but uh, Khalil Tate no, no. is the one he's that me, got tackled. He's Khalil Tate. Khalil Tate. Thank you very much, Davey. I do have a little uh, trouble remembering all the thousands of players in my head. So, yes, Khalil Tate uh, almost ran for 30 yards. Um, we are going to talk about Florida-Miami, but I just want to touch on this real quick uh, because I guess you could maybe argue SEC-related because Kevin Sumlin coached at the SEC. But um, if you remember, Holt, Will Tate from two years ago, I think it was after his sophomore year, he like had a huge sophomore year with, with uh, Rich Rod, and now his junior year was kind of shitty. And then this year, um, I don't know what, what you expect to see, but is he still exciting for you to watch? I very much enjoy Khalil Tate. In fact, I'm here, the transfer porter, I think, like last year, and I was really hoping that he would come to like an SEC team. I think like some people were talking about maybe Auburn, but he ended up deciding to stay there, so – I don't know. I think about, like, what might have been, but he's a really exciting player, and uh, he made a lot of plays last night, but unfortunately um, not quite enough to, uh, you know, get the win. Hold, are you still enjoying those Chipotle chips? No, man, I'm in some airheads right now. Does it sound loud? It is quite loud, but we can we can push through it if for the love of airheads. Um, it is getting close to Halloween almost. Not close. Uh, we're almost two months away, so um, I don't know if y'all are going to – they're actually not airheads. They're like the little, like, soft um, – the bag. Like the soft-filled bites, the airhead soft-filled bites. Have you all had those? No. I'm sorry, man. I was I was just getting a little bored while JB was talking, so I thought I'd have a little snack. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll, we'll just push through right here, Holt. So you all watched the Florida and Miami game together last night. So just take take me through how this, this goes. So the game was at 6 o'clock uh, Central – so did y'all leave at four o'clock to get there enough time and to make sure you got to take advantage of the tuna cup buffets or buffet? That's exactly what time we left. Of course. And uh, we actually missed kickoff just because of the buffet. Actually, we ended up staying there a little bit longer than we wanted to. But, you know, sometimes like when you get me and JB at a buffet, like it's just going to pull us away. Even like some college football makes it hard for us to, to get pulled away. I think it had to be have been uh, one of our teams playing for us to duck down there a little bit early and skip dessert. Yeah, Which, we ch- yeah, we probably sat there at least 45 minutes just eating and eating and eating. Like, I, I had about – I think I had about four rounds of food before I went and got dessert. Which casino did y'all go to? We went to the Horseshoe. All right, which one was it, guys? Horseshoe. <laughs> and there's, the casinos are, like, closing left and right in Tunica. It seems like I uh, hear on the news um, all the time that all the casinos are closing. Um, is Horseshoe Horseshoe is notorious for the best buffet, right, JB? Yeah, Horseshoe definitely has the best buffet. I've ha- I've had like four different buffets in Tunica, and, and Horseshoe is definitely my favorite one of the four. Uh, it's, it's definitely the one I'm going to go to when I go for a buffet down there. So you all had four rounds of food before you went to get good dessert. What What did you eat there? Or I don't know if I want y'all to detail it all, but I at least want you to tell me like the highlights. What well, was the good stuff? Well, I want to, like, go through, like, my plan of, like, how I attack a buffet. All right, let's hear it. So, I mean, the first thing you got to do is you got to, like, do a little recon. You know what I mean? You got to, like, walk around, like, check all the stations, like, kind of, you know, I guess kind of dip your toe in the water a little bit. And then what I like to do is, like, the first time through, I like to just get, like, a little bit of, like, everything. And then I just, like, I, if I take a bite of something I don't like it, then I just stop eating it. And then if I uh, – if I 
you know, take a bite of something else and I really like it, then I'll go back the second time and I'll get more of that. And then like whatever else I couldn't fit on my plate the first time. And then, you know, I kind of, I kind of like to go at it like that. And then, you know, I, I kind of wait till I get really full before I stop eating and then I go get dessert. Uh, Cause I can always eat dessert no matter how full I am. <laughs> so is this buffet attack strategy a hold? Is this very similar to your Thanksgiving strategy? Yes, um, it is. It's that, well, the difference between like a buffet and Thanksgiving, though, would be just like um, on Thanksgiving, you know, you kind of only get to go through the line like one time, um, you know, because there's usually like a like, I don't know how y'all's family does it, but mine is like, it's like one big line. So like once you get your food, you kind of like ghost it down and then um, you're probably not going to get another chance to get back out there before everything's gone. So you kind of like really have to make the most out of your, out of your first trip because oh, the second time around... Yeah, the second time around, it's going to be uh, a lot of the a lot of green bean casserole and a lot of um, I don't know what you know what's some other stuff to like you know what? like cram like cranberry sauce and like stuff like that the second dressing. time around. Yeah, no, I dressing, love dressing. Dressing always get hot. So what what goes in our family is the deviled eggs. Deviled eggs don't last very long in our family. Um, but what I would what I would say for buffets and Thanksgiving alike. Which with the first round you get you do try everything like you said, but the second time your second time around what you get on your plate now that's what you really really like that's what you yeah. really enjoy because you want to yeah, make sure your last bites are the ones you really the food you really enjoy the most. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with that, and I think JB has a little bit of a different strategy than I do at the buffet yeah. line. I didn't do it that I didn't do it in that sense. Uh, what I did was I did different cuisines on each plate. So the first round I did uh, the southern plate, which I had like southern home cooking food and and southern breakfast food. And then the second round I went up to the uh, meat section and just filled my plate full of meat for the second round. And then the third round I uh, went and uh, got the Italian section and got some Italian food on my plate. And then the fourth round, I went back and got. And by Italian food, he means pizza. That's that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, well, well, pizza. I had some pizza, some ravioli, and a little small helping of pasta, and uh, some garlic, some like cheesy garlic bread. But then on the fourth round, I went back and got the stuff that I liked from the previous three rounds. Did they kick you either one of you out of the buffet after the fourth round? You would think they would. Yeah, they tried to. Uh, they were keeping an eye on it. So I could see, like, they have, you know, they have the cameras in there like, trying to catch people, like, cheating, playing poker. Yeah. Like, they have, like, people like that in the cafeteria, but they're, like, watching people like me and JB. Tell you, your mugs yeah. are probably in horseshoe <laughs> right you now. See, I mean, hold that, hold that, like, a plate stacked full of crab legs. Like, it was probably, like, a few feet high of just nothing but crab legs. Well, we went to, when we went to Florida not too long ago, um, we went to a place that had crab legs. And I love crab legs, but. I don't know where you sit on a whole the, – the meat is really good. I just don't know – you have to do the cost-benefit analysis yeah. of crab legs. If it's yeah, good. well, you have to get into a groove. That's what I was telling JB is, like, once you get good at it and you can, like, really get into a groove, you can really, like, fly through them. But, like, those first few ones when you're still kind of, like, getting back in the swing of things and, like, trying to remember how to do it, it can definitely – you know, you definitely have that moment where you're like, this is, like, a lot of work for not a lot of food. But, I mean, honestly, like, I do love me some crab. And, yeah, uh, you and James. Definitely like a, yeah, definitely uh, at a buffet, you know what I mean? You're, you know, I'm trying to, cause I know that I'm on like a time limit because uh, like I get, I, I get full um, after a certain amount of time of eating. So I had to like try to eat as much as I could, like as early as I could. Otherwise I knew I wasn't gonna be able to get to try everything. But yeah, those crab legs were pretty early in, in the meal and I was, 
I ripped through them pretty quick. And, uh, you know, that was actually my first play. It was the crab legs. And then I, I was like the complete opposite of JB. I didn't care like at all, like what nationality I was eating. I was eating like, I was eating like crab legs, like egg rolls with wontons and then like pizza. And then like, uh, like, uh, all this crab that like literally has nothing to do with each other. So, uh, just all different nationalities all in one plate. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I definitely crushed it. Me and JB had a little bit different strategy, but I think we both uh, came out, came out ahead in the end. Y'all, uh, y'all really are some bad influences for each other. Cause underneath one of y'all says no to food ever. Like, Oh, you want to get some food? Oh yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, we actually playing this one ahead of time. So I feel like it wasn't quite as bad. So no. did y'all, how did you prepare during the day? Did you eat anything during the day? And have you eaten anything since obviously you ate Chipotle whole, but like at what point were you hungry again after the buffet? Um, I was not hungry again until tonight. I had the buffet yesterday, and I did not eat a single thing all day today except for, like, one little bag of chips. And I did not eat anything until I had Bojangles tonight. Bojangles? Yeah, I had Bojangles. I don't even know where you are, JB. Uh, oh, I'm I'm in the Ville. But uh, my uh, girlfriend uh, is coming back from Nashville today, and she stopped at a Bojangles being clutch and thinking about me and got me two Cajun filet biscuits and a Bowberry. Which I've already put away both of the two two uh, Cajun play biscuits, and as soon as we're done recording, I'm gonna chow down on the bowberry. That is one way to bounce back from your buffet blues. <laughs> it definitely is. Holt, what about you? Did you eat anything during the day before the buffet? And have you eaten anything? I guess the, has the last thing you've eaten was that Chipotle that you're eating. Well, uh, Alex, you'd actually be pretty happy about about it because I actually went and ate like. <laughs> Um, I only had like a protein bar, like early in the morning, but then I ran and ran like four and a half miles. There you go. And, uh, and so I was like really hungry cause I get really hungry after I run. So it was definitely a fun experience. And, uh, you know, I, I had, see, I did have something this, uh, this afternoon. I had like some sushi for lunch and then, um, like another protein bar. And then I just had Chipotle for dinner, but I just had a Chipotle bowl. I didn't go too crazy with it. You know, I tried to get a pretty healthy, high protein, low fat. So I think I did all right, considering uh, it's kind of a fast food place. Sure. All right, let's let's set the lineup for today, just so uh, people don't think we're about to talk for about buffet and food for the next forty minutes. No, right. Only the first fifteen. Only the first fifteen. Uh, but it was very <laughs> valuable minutes, and I mean, we added a lot of value and uh, life hacks to people's uh, to people's days and lives, I guess, because now you know how to, the proper way to attack or two different ways to attack a buffet. Um, all right. So we're obviously going to talk about the Florida Miami game yesterday. And then we still have to preview Georgia and Alabama, which we will, um, we kind of saved those for last just because there's way too many previews for Georgia and Alabama. So kind of, we wanted to devote more time to the teams that aren't talked about as much. And then we'll do some season previews uh, for just the entire SEC. We we tweeted out our predictions for the records, and I guess we'll talk a little bit about those and um, just kind of touch on all the teams, hopefully all the teams. We'll see how many teams we can get to. Um, but we will do – we will start our normal, normal scheduling slash lineups uh, Wednesday and Sunday for podcasts where I guess this Wednesday or maybe Tuesday – depending on how our time works out, we're going to do the week one previews. And then uh, Sunday, we will recap the games from week one. So without further ado, we'll start talking about Miami and Florida. Um, Holt, this is the first game besides the Villanova Colgate game, which did you watch that, by the way? 
Um, no, I can't say that I did. Um, I do know that Colgate had a pretty legit defense last year, and I do know that uh, – uh, what's the dude's name? Uh, Westbrook that used to play running back for the Eagles. I'm pretty sure he played at Villanova. So okay. that's what I got. That's what I got on that game. Nice. Um, so this Florida-Miami game, Holt, this is the first, like, really official game back for the year. Were you satisfied at the end of the fourth quarter – for this game, like filling your cultural appetite, I guess as an appetizer, or is it were you fully yeah. satisfied? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely was. You know what I mean? I was I was a little afraid that it was going to be kind of a you know a boring game, and you know I knew that both offenses were going to kind of struggle, but at the same time, I mean they did, but they were also able to create some explosive plays, which made it you know more fun. And uh, you know it was just a really competitive game. Came right down to the wire, rivalry game. You know it actually ended up being like a really great game, and I hope this is uh, kind of a you know, kind of a preview for what we're going to see this season. Um, you know, I think we've said on this podcast, like a lot of times this off season, like last year was kind of boring, like kind of, you know, bland, kind of chalk, like the whole way through. And uh, maybe like what happened last night is uh, kind of a sign of maybe some crazy things that are going to happen this year. Yeah. I would say last night's game would, would probably make a top five list for 2018 games, like for, for all of 2018. That's how good last night's game was compared to, and relative to uh, last year's games. I don't know about top five, but, I mean, it was definitely a good game to start off with. Uh, have you, you should see the top five that's been put out by ESPN. You would probably be surprised. Yeah, I'm sure I would be if I actually saw the list. Um, the problem with Florida uh, scheduling Miami is, is, like, obviously, was there, um, what, not eight, eight SEC games? Or we had to nine SEC games every year now. No, nine SEC games, and they play Florida State. So, basically, ten games against Power 5 teams yeah, and so, good ones, too. So that, that's the point I'm making here is that you would like to see Florida and Miami play every year. But, I mean, it, it's just tough because you have the SEC schedule, and then you have Florida State. And then you could play – you have two games to choose. And uh, sometimes you want an easy opponent like SES or – Sometimes you want other teams from different conferences besides Miami. So you'd like to see Miami play every year, but you only have two games you're working with. So you could schedule Miami every year too, but then you'd have one game. And, I mean, I would assume that the fans would want to see other schools too. Uh, and they're not going to budge on not playing Florida State every year. So, um, But it's fun when Miami and Florida play each other every year because it's like they pick up where they left off. They still both hate each other as teams. Um, I, I enjoyed the game uh, pretty much throughout the game. Um, I want to ask a couple questions about the game, see some of y'all's feedback or comment commentary on the game. Jay, I'll start with you. Do you think after watching Miami play Miami and Florida play last night that Florida is a legitimate top 10 team? After last night, uh, I don't really know if I can say that they are. Uh, their offense did, you know, looked really inconsistent at times. Uh, Especially Felipe Franks, like you know, there was a lot of this talk over the offseason that Felipe Franks is gonna, you know, really break out this season and uh, you know be a much better signal caller. But he's still making a lot of the same mistakes. Like he's uh, not being able to uh, go through his reads as well while in the pocket, and he uh, forces throws when they're not there. And that's just that's not that's not a good recipe in the SEC, especially when you're playing some of these really good defenses. On the other hand, though, their defense, especially their uh, defensive line, looked really impressive last night. Uh, like it, They were getting tons of pressure on Jaron Williams and really controlling the line of scrimmage. But oh, you're going to have to stop eating all that food. <laughs> Dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. That shit is loud. Somebody's doing something that's loud. Um, sorry, JB, go ahead. Yeah, but as I was saying, like the biggest issue I saw for the defense last night 
was really poor tackling in the open field. Uh, the, you can't be doing that, and, and you know, with the speedsters. I would, I would probably still say they're a top 15, top 20 team, but they did not really look like a top 10 team last night. I'm sure Holt would probably agree with me. Holt, do you think there is any legitimacy to saying that this is a week earlier than they're used to starting, so they're entitled or they might look a little bit more than they would otherwise if they were playing normal week one Labor Day weekend? Um, I mean, I don't, maybe a little bit, I wouldn't say like a, a lot. Um, and then kind of just going back to your other question as well. Like, I mean, as far as Florida being a top 10 team, I mean, the real question is, you know, we we don't really know who, who deserves to be in the top 10. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, we know Alabama and Clemson are really good. We know Georgia and Oklahoma and Ohio state are really good. But after that, it's kind of, you know, I mean, who knows, you know what I mean? Like a traditional top 10 team, but like we saw last year, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of ugliness after you got past like the first five or six teams in the country last year. Um, I know but, in general, we all are not high on Felipe Franks and he definitely made some bad throws last night. But um, honestly, after watching a little bit of him play last yesterday or last night, um, I'm a little bit more optimistic for Felipe Franks this year. Um, I think there, there obviously was some bad, bad throws, but I think he looks a lot better than he did last year at least I mean you gotta think he started off last year so bad and he picks up towards the end of the year he doesn't have bad numbers from last year but I, I don't think he's gonna be as bad as at least I thought I don't know about you Holt yeah I mean he definitely showed some flashes last night I mean he's definitely got some you know he, he throws a really nice deep ball and he's got a lot of arm strength um it's just you know it's, it's more to the decision making and just consistency with his accuracy I mean those are the things that we really thought would improve this year. Um, and those, you know, kind of – we really weren't able to see that consistency over the course of the game. I mean, just a couple of just really dumb decisions, a couple of really bad turnovers that, you know, one of them, obviously the last one, um, I mean, could have cost them the game. You know what I mean? I mean, that was just like, you know, they had just gotten a, a turnover or the turnover on downs, and uh, it looked like they were finally about to be able to, like, you know, in the game and put it away. There's like four minutes left, and I think it was like 4:45 or something left in the game. And on the first play, it throws a pig, like just a very ill-advised pass, like just you know, kind of just like what are you doing type moment. So, you know, I mean, he definitely still has a long way to go, but you know, it's gonna be a long season. He's gonna get better, and obviously, Florida, you know, you know, they're having the bye week next week, and then they already had two bye weeks on their schedule. So he's gonna he's got a lot of time uh, to improve over the course of the season, and I think he will. Um, you know, but I definitely look at this Florida team. I still, you know, I was hoping to see a little bit more. Um, and I don't know if they're going to be like a nine or 10 win team, like a lot of people expect them to be. We talked, or JB mentioned the missed tackling, uh, from Florida. And I actually saw that on both sides of the ball or both teams, I should say Miami and Florida both looked like they were struggling tackling. I mean, it was, it made for exciting plays because there were some long touchdown runs, uh, but it was also really bad tackling that just led to those long touchdown runs. Uh, but that actually, <laughs> that wasn't the worst part of the defense to me. Um, I'll say, say with you, Holt, is uh, worse, worse than their missed tackling was the pass interference calls towards the end of the game. And I'm not saying the refs missed the calls because you watch the replay and they were, they were obviously pass interference, but like what the hell – was Florida doing towards the end of the game? I mean, they 
they had him on like I think it was like third and twenty six or something like that, and they basically gave him a first down, uh, not tackling receiver, but just holding him or doing some kind of pass interference before the first down. Like a, it was, I think they they threw like a twenty yard pass and they still held him or something like that, and allowed the first down. They did it two more times to get him a first down. Yeah, the, I mean the pass interferences were bad, and then they had uh, some late hit out, late hits out of bounds uh, that really cost them as well. Um, I mean, there's just like some really dumb penalties by Florida in this game and some dumb turnovers as well. And you definitely don't want to see that. It's definitely something they're going to need to clean up. It's not really, uh, you know, what you expect to see out of a damn all in coach team. Uh, they're usually a lot more disciplined than that. Um, and I do think they're going to be able to turn it around. As far as the pass interference goes, I mean, I think just the way that Todd Grantham coaches defense, like, you know, they're kind of, you know, he's definitely more about affecting the quarterback. You know, there's always been some liability on the back end. So, you know, I think that's just kind of part of, you know, what you get with Grantham. Um, they're going to be regressive. They're going to create a lot of third and longs, but they're going to have a lot of, you know, they're going to give up some third downs as well. So, anyway, I mean, I think it's, you know, especially those late, hit, late hits out of bounds and, you know, maybe some of those fumbles they had, you know, I think are going to be resolved over the course of the season. Um, and then I think Felipe is going to be a little bit better taking care of the ball as the season goes on. But, you know, I definitely would have liked to see a little bit more out of them in that first game. JB, I know Miami is not an SEC team, but I still want to talk about them for a split second. Um, what do you think about them overall? I mean, I think they're a lot further ahead than everybody else thinks because everybody just assumed they were going to struggle this year. And they still can, obviously. It's those the first game of the year. But they competed for most of the game with Florida, and they were winning a lot, of, a big part of the game too. Um, I think they look – pretty good for where they are or where they should be. JB, are you live? Uh, he's probably talking. JB's dead. Oh, well. Sorry, right. we can just do me and you, Alex, if you want. I'm sure, I'm sure that's cool with everybody. Holt. Alex, can you hear me? Are we dead right now? We'll, um, we'll just continue here a little bit. And actually predicted by a lot of uh, Vegas pundits to be at 8.5, which is uh, pretty impressive uh, considering, uh, you know, Manny Diaz, you know, what he has to work with. But Mark Rick's really left him a really talented roster. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of continuity as well with Manny Diaz already being defensive coordinator there for the previous three seasons. Uh, I really like the way their defense played last night. I mean, I, I was not worried at all about the defense. It was really the offense that I was worried about, especially the offensive line. And, my God, I mean, they were just getting swarmed last night. Uh, just getting beat off the ball every single snap, it seemed. And I don't understand some of these uh, play-action calls that Dan Enos was calling for uh, Jaron Williams because I think he really needed about every single half second that he could have get could have had and but I, I like this Miami team to possibly win about eight or nine games and you know because the ACC you know top to bottom is not really that strong when you go past Clemson I mean it's really wide open but I, I think there can be a pretty good team and uh, over the course of the season and just like Florida like they're gonna have, you know two extra bye weeks you know or you know three bye weeks including next week if you want to count that so it they're at an advantage, especially in the ACC, which is really wide open. 
Nobody was more mad than Danny knows yesterday on the sideline. If y'all saw him just ripping apart, ripping apart, I guess the offense. I don't know who he was like yelling at specifically. I don't know if it was the quarterback or what, but he was just mad. You all, I don't know about y'all, but all I could see whenever he was just going at it was just teeth flying. Like his teeth were just going up and down. Oh, I didn't notice yeah. that part. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I didn't notice that either, but I'm sure I'll tell you. I definitely did see Steve Spurrier, though. Yeah, Spurrier was just chilling. Chilling. I was like, man. And uh, Mullen had some, like, had some great, uh, I guess, uh, gift-worthy moments uh, during that game. He was getting all kinds of upset on the sideline. Oh, are you ready to see Tate Martell at wide receiver? I mean, I just saw it. Just once. But, like, are you ready to see? No, he was on there, like, twice. Yeah. but I think he was out there another time. We haven't we haven't seen him play really yet. Nobody's seen him play. That's like the best part. Like no one even knows who he is. Like everybody knows who he is, but no one's seen him play. It's kind of it's kind of weird. I'm excited to see what he's going to be like. <clears throat> Probably not that good if he's not going to be able to be the starting quarterback. Well, people were saying after the fact that like, well, if Tate Martell can't start over this quarterback, then he must be really bad. But I didn't think the Miami quarterback was really bad. Bad. I mean, maybe I was watching a different game, but I mean, I didn't think no. he was horrible. No, he I thought he was bad. pretty good actually. Yeah. He really wasn't that bad. It's just the offensive line, you know, when you have a really bad offensive line and you're running for your life every single play, it's going to make you look worse than you are. Yeah. But that does suck for Tate Martell. But, I mean, it is what it is. At least he's converting to wide receiver if that's what he's going to do. Um, I think it's smart by him. Maybe it could be like Wes Welker or somebody like that or Christian Kirk maybe on the yeah. good day. We'll see, though. Um, all right, let's, let's switch over gears here real quick to the Georgia and Alabama preview. Um, we're not going to do this – true justice because it'll be a little bit shortened than what everybody's used to, but we'll, we'll do our best here. Um, Hope is Alabama going to win the SEC again for like the 20th? Well, I guess they didn't win it like the year Georgia won two years ago, but are they just going to go undefeated or lose one game and go to the playoff? Like, is that what we're expecting again this year? Um, Yeah, I have Alabama going undefeated and win the SEC championship game. I know that's like really boring, but um, that's just kind of like where I feel right now. Um, I just think Tua and those wide receivers, Najee Harris in the backfield. Um, you know, I think the defense was not the best last year, and I think they're going to be much improved this season. Um, you know, I just think they're – I mean, I think they're loaded. And I just don't really see a lot of teams in their schedule that I think are going to be able to compete with them. I mean, there's only, you know, maybe two or three teams, you know, two or three games on their schedule where you're like, you know, wow, that's like a tough game. And there's really only one or two teams maybe that, like, even have the talent to uh, to upset Alabama. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's just one of those things where I just, I hate to be chalk, but I just, I just think that it's kind of hard to pick against Alabama this season. JB, is Alabama better than Clemson? I would actually say so going into the preseason. I think I like, I really like what Alabama has returning. Clemson lost a lot of guys off their other defense from last year, especially on the defensive line. And I know Brent Venables is an awesome defense coordinator. Arguably, he's the best in the country. But uh, that's a lot to uh, lose and, uh, you know, try to, uh, you know, regroup, you know, and try to stay on the top. But um, Alabama, I think, has got more pieces coming back that are crucial to me compared to Clemson. And I, I, I would probably put Alabama ahead of Clemson. Of course, I, they're not going to be number one in the polls, you know, the preseason because, you know, Clemson's defending champs. But on paper, I actually would probably put Alabama ahead of Clemson. Hold, who has a better offense between Alabama and Clemson? Oh man, that's a tough question. Um, I'd probably say uh, Clemson just because um, I think Lawrence is a little bit better than Tua, and I think that Travis Etienne is better than uh, anyone that Alabama has. I mean, I just think that 
Uh, I just think that backfield is pretty loaded. I mean, they're not too shabby a receiver. Either. They're pretty loaded a receiver. Um, I think Alabama probably has the edge of receiver overall. But, um, but yeah, I probably have to give the edge to Clemson. But I also just think Trevor Lawrence is awesome. Yeah, I think Najah Harris has more potential than Clemson's running back. But I think Clemson's running back has shown more at this point. Um, but I don't know, man. It's, it's tough to pick between Trevor Lawrence and Tua as the college quarterback. NFL, you can obviously just say Trevor Lawrence um, just because of size and arm strength and accuracy and all that stuff. But um, college is tough because Tua is so freaking accurate. And people just forget about that just because he didn't play well in the SEC championship game and the national championship. But he, he's very, very accurate. And that's what people forget. And that's what makes me kind of mad. Yeah, well, the thing that worries me about Tua, I mean, this has been well-documented, but just, like, the durability, you know what I mean? Late in the season, he started to get hit a little bit more. And, uh, you know, he was really fighting through some injuries uh, the back half of the season. So, you know, that's going to be the biggest question to me is, I mean, I think, you know, they're going to be able to protect him a little bit better, obviously, because, you know, he faced some, you know, good defensive lines um, at the end of last season. But, um, you know, it's just like when he does take those hits, is he able to absorb them and kind of, you know, stay healthy. And, you know, I, I don't know how much of that is from, you know, just genetics or how much of it is like, you know, being able to put on some weight in the weight room or, or what it is. But he's definitely got to uh, do what he can to try to stay healthy this year. JB, if Alabama, if Alabama was going to lose one game this year, who would it be to? Tennessee? Um, yeah, the, no. But uh, the, <laughs> game, <laughs> the game that I got circled for Alabama, if they're going to lose a game, uh, would be the Texas A&M game. Uh, Texas A&M is coming off a bye week. I know Alabama is too, but at this point, I mean, it just seems like A&M is due, to, you know, to compete with Alabama again. I mean, they had the first two seasons in which they were both close games, and A&M, you know, of course, won the inaugural game between the two as SEC rivals. But I, I really like this uh, team, the Jimbo Fisher. Just the way they play uh, at home, like they're a different team at home in that environment, and I really like their chances to keep this game competitive. And I think this will be one of the more competitive games that Alabama plays all year. Hold, are you going to the Mississippi State game this year? Uh, the Mississippi State Alabama game? Yes. <clears throat> um, yes, I will in fact be in attendance for that game. Hopefully, it's not a blowout. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. Um, just make sure you ring the cowbell loud enough for them. Um, do you, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Um, does Alabama have the best <clears throat> defense in the SEC? And if so, or if not, can you please highlight their players that we should know about for this year? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think actually LSU probably has the best defense in the country this year. But, I mean, Alabama, like, you know, the guy that jumps out to me is Patrick Sertan Jr., the corner. I mean, he's somebody who was a freshman last year, was forced to play a lot, kind of got – taking advantage of a little bit. But to me, he's somebody that you can really look forward to to have, like, a big step forward this year. Um, he's a guy who is, like, one of the top uh, two or three players in the country coming out of high school, I believe. And, you know, he's just got all the talent in the world. He's big, physical, athletic. You know what I mean? He's just um, – I think he's just going to be the next great corner at Alabama. And um, I think he's definitely probably the main guy you have to watch out for. And I, I really expect him to take a step in his sophomore year to become, you know, one of the better players in the conference. I don't know how you are, Holt, but, like, I really don't even have to know the players before the year and just can close my eyes and know that Alabama's defense is going to be one of the top in the country. Yeah, I mean, when you pay attention to the recruiting rankings and Nick Saban's track record, like, it's just hard to think that they're not going to be just absolutely loaded on defense. I'm sure they got some defensive linemen. 
that no one's ever heard of that's going to come out and like get like you know 30 sacks this year and mm-hmm. you know be like our world and be like a number one draft pick you know what i mean it seems like they've always you know like quentin williams last year just like came out of nowhere like no one knew who he was this time last year so you know they got a couple of those guys uh you know hidden away you know they're ready to break out this year JB, who is your favorite receiver on Alabama's team? I know who mine is, but I'm curious about yours. I'm going to go with Jalen Waddle. I just love uh, his uh, shitty ability and his ability in open space to uh, make incredible plays. I mean, you can't go wrong with any of their big three, but I'm going to I'm going to stick with uh, Jalen Waddle for myself. That's that's. Uh... Interesting, Davey, because I was I was actually going to pick the same thing. I think Judy is – I think he's actually the number one. Yeah. You would probably put him as Judy, oh, hold on, hold on. Ruggs, and Waddle. Hold on, bro. For most people. Let me, let me finish. Um, what I was going to say is I think Judy is the number one pro prospect on Mel Kuyper's big board. Um, I mean, besides, obviously, Trevor Lawrence, if he could come out, but he can't. Um, but, yeah, I think Judy's number one on the big board. But I, I like Waddle the most as well just because he's so fast. I, I don't know the official, like, 40 times of everybody, but if you just watch Waddle catch the ball and run, it's, it just seems like nobody can catch him. I think Ruggs is kind of like that too. Um, but it's just it's fun to watch how fast they are. They're, um, they have a lot of good receivers, a lot of good weapons this year. Um, Holt, what do you know about the Alabama kicker? Should we be worried or should we, should we just um, – think that there's going to be no games close enough where a kicker is going to come into play? Um, I think we can expect a lot of missed extra points. I think we can miss a lot of, you know, expect a lot of missed field goals in big situations. Uh, but at the same time, I think Alabama's still going to win uh, those games. That's usually how it goes. Um, Nick Saban always recruits, like, the top-ranked top kickers in the country, and then they always just, like, immediately forget how to kick as soon as they get on campus for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was gonna say there was there was uh, there's a couple of videos I want to talk about for a second. There was one where, um, or not a video, like a retweet. Somebody retweeted Alabama signing like top kicker in the country, and then like the Alabama fans like I don't know everything about this. This is their most more most important recruit for the future, uh, which is kind of funny just because they never have good kickers. And I wonder that is a good question. Hold, on. I wonder if, and I, I nobody pays attention that close to the kickers at least i don't i wonder if their kickers are really that great coming in or if they are always just average and they continue to be like not great or miss big field goals yeah i don't know i think it's just maybe just because the lineage there of like bad kickers is just kind of like it's just kind of like a big uh like monkey on the back i guess and it's just hard to shake jb um who was the- there's just a lot of pressure on them and stuff like that JB, who was the punter from a couple years ago that we really liked from Alabama? That was really good. That was J.K. Scott. Yeah, I liked him. He was – I mean, I don't really watch punters, but he was – I mean, to me, he was kind of fun to watch because he just killed the ball whenever he kicked it. Yeah, I mean, J.K. Scott and uh, Brad Wing are probably two of my favorite punters I've seen in the SEC in the past 10 years. Yeah. All right. So, we think that Alabama could possibly lose to A&M. Um, I got that. What about Ad Auburn Holt? Uh, they lost two years ago to Auburn, and we – I think me and you are the ones that are kind of high on Auburn this year for whatever reason, just because we think um, Gus is going to have a good year after having a down year because that's kind of how it goes. Um, do you think that's a, another trouble game? Yeah, I definitely do. I mean, obviously, like, that's a huge rivalry game, and, you know, we've obviously seen a lot of really weird things happen in that rivalry over the course of, you know, the last 10 or 15 years. But, um yeah, I mean, that's definitely the game I look at, and I think that's probably the biggest chance for Alabama to lose because um, I think Auburn's going to be a little bit um, 
you know, a little bit better than people expect this year. I expect them to be a pretty good team. And, you know, I think they're going to be fighting, you know, maybe even for a spot in Atlanta. I mean, depending on how well they play this year, um, you know, I don't know if I quite think they're going to have one loss going into this game. I think they'll probably have more than that. But if Alabama slips up somewhere and Auburn is as good as I kind of expect them to be, then I could see this game coming, you know, coming down, you know, for the West basically. So, you know, I definitely think that this is, you know, a decent shot for Alabama to lose, but still not good enough for me to pick against them. Paul, are you high on Sark coming back as offensive coordinator? I mean, I wouldn't say I'm high on it, but it's just I just trust Nick Saban, and I just think that he knows – I mean, I think he knows what he's doing, and obviously. Um, and I just think Sark, you know, he's been there before. He knows the lay of the land. You know, he only coasted one game, and then they ended up actually losing that game. But, um, you know, it, it's just kind of – I mean, I just feel like uh, Saban knows what he wants, and I think he wants to get back to a little bit more of a running game this year. And, you know, I think Sark kind of has his life kind of straightened out, which is good to see. And um, hopefully, you know, he'll have some success there. I mean, not hopefully. I mean, I guess hopefully if you're an Alabama fan. But, um, you know, he obviously – I know a lot of Falcons fans are happy to see him go because I know a lot of Falcons fans didn't really care for him too much. So we'll see if Alabama fans feel the same way or, or how they feel about him. As in, I think we all collectively agreed and picked Alabama go undefeated in the regular season. I think you did hold and you did as well, JP, right? Yeah, I got Alabama going undefeated. Yeah, hold those two. Um, all right. So, undefeated Alabama, no surprise there. That's why we don't like to talk too much about them because everybody knows they're going to be good and everybody talks too much about Alabama as it is. So, let's switch over to Georgia real quick. Georgia now is number three, um, which – might be a little surprising the way they finished the year last year, but they're just now starting to stack top five recruiting classes on top of each other. So they have a lot of talent now that are getting more experience. They have DeAndre Swift coming back. Um, Jake Fromm's obviously there, a good defense. Um, what could go wrong, Holt? Um, well, I mean, I just think that they've had some turnover on the offense side of the ball, obviously with Jim Chaney moving on. And, um, you know, Jake Fromm has – He's had some bad games. Um, you know, the Texas game last year stands out. The LSU game last year, he didn't really play that great. Um, you know, he's had a few games where he hasn't been at his best, but at the same time, you know, he had a huge game in the SEC championship game against Alabama. And, uh, you know, he's just really talented, probably a future first-round draft pick. Um, pretty much everything the NFL teams look for in a quarterback. Um, and, uh, you know, great big offensive line coach by Sam Pittman, who uh, gets plenty of love on this podcast. And, uh, you know, all kinds of five-star offensive linemen and about 25-star running backs. So, um, you know, when you look at them, like, you think that, you know, they're just going to be able to run all over everybody, and maybe they will. Um, but I actually think there's a couple games this year that they could potentially lose. I actually have them going 10-2 in, in the regular season this year, which I think would be, like, kind of a big disappointment. I know on our, on our season preview podcast, I actually had Georgia as my most disappointing team in the SEC this year, and – you know, which is crazy because I still have them going to the SEC championship game. But, you know, I just have them going 10 and 2 and uh, losing the SEC championship game. But at the same time, if Georgia went undefeated, I wouldn't be surprised at all, not even a little bit. Um, I just worry about maybe the little bit of turnover on offense. Uh, you know, we don't really know who the playmakers are, receiver. When, you know, some of those guys really need to step up. And, um, you know, defensively, you know, they lose Mel Tucker. I don't know that, you know, Kirby Smart's a defensive guy and it's kind of his defense. But, you know, I mean, just kind of that, that change in continuity. And, like, I just wonder if um, Kirby Smart's able to kind of absorb that and keep it rolling. 
uh, like Nick Saban's able to. So I think a lot of people just expect that, you know, he's just going to – he's just Nick Saban 2.0, and he's just going to be able to replace coordinators like it's nothing. JB, I don't know what your feel for Georgia fans are. I feel like you have a pretty good feel for him as a Tennessee fan, and I do just because I'm here in Atlanta. But a couple of notes that I've observed or a couple of things I've observed this preseason for Georgia fans is that um, over the years, and especially this year, they seem to get more and more cocky. And point number two is I think out of all the years with Kirby Smart, I think this is the year they think they actually can win the championship or that they can actually beat Alabama. And they're, they, they're like setting up for this is their big, big year. Uh, do you have a feel for that, JB? I've definitely noticed that amongst Georgia fans that I've come to know in contact with that uh, this is their, they, they think this is their year to uh, be able to uh, get over the hump with Alabama, beat them, and get back to the playoff and win a national championship. And, I mean, they do have a good roster coming back, but uh, this is some really pressured ex- expectations put on Kirby Smart and this team this year. Uh, you got to remember, uh, you're going up against this Alabama team, which may honestly be the best team that Nick Saban's ever had at Alabama, you know, top to bottom on both sides of the ball. So that's really a tall task for Georgia to go up against. And not to mention, I mean, they do have a pretty tough schedule too. And, I mean, I think they can get through the schedule with one loss. I mean, I got them losing one game this year. And uh, even if you lose a game, like, that's that's really just a freebie in the SEC. If you lose one game, I mean, you're still in control of your destiny. And it's not bad to lose a game now, you know, with the college football playoff and, and especially how respected the SEC is, you know, amongst the uh, committees. Uh, they're, if you if you lose one game and then, you know, make it to the SEC championship and win it, you're going to be in the playoff. It's, no, it's, it's a guarantee. But uh, he's, there's definitely some pieces back. I mean, I think a lot of fans are having the pressure on this team because of Jake Fromm. I think a lot of them are expecting Jake Fromm to leave after this season. You know, when he was a freshman, I expected him to be kind of more of a four-year guy. And, he still may be that kind of player, but if he gets some good feedback, you know, as far as like being maybe a top 10 pick in the draft that I can definitely see him leaving. Uh, I did watch Mel Kuyper's big board earlier this week. I think Jake Fromm is, I think like number 25 overall on his big board. Uh, so that, that would definitely be first round for him just because teams do like to pick quarterbacks up front. So um, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, just based off of what he's shown so far, they were saying that his – I mean, he's got obviously got great size, but his arm's not as strong as it should be is what people have been saying. But, I mean, he's kind of accurate, so we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Um, but I, I don't I don't know about y'all, but I, I'm almost ready to bring back the uh, phrase Georging, if that's still a phrase. I remember – or if you remember from before Dabo really got Clemson going, there was Clemsoning. And um, Georgiang, to me, is like the classic Mark Rick years where they were a preseason top five and they ended up going 10-2. And, and I feel like we're, we're at a point where that we might revert back to that with Kirby Smart. I think people are really high on Kirby Smart, and I think he's a pretty good coach. I just – I don't know. I think I think they're um, – I think they're still going to revert back to the classic Georgia. Um, I know you think that whole because you said 10-2. JB, do you have, a, you have a feel for that, like them going back to <clears> – <throat> Uh, 10 and 2 ways years of uh, Mark Rick. I mean, the way that some of the Georgia fans are acting, I mean, they're definitely getting, I, I wouldn't say they're restless, but uh, they're almost, you know, could get to that point if they have another, you know, season this year, which they don't make it back to the playoff. I mean, I really feel like most Georgia fans minimum expectations is to get back to the college football playoff and maybe have the chance, you know, to win the national championship. But I actually have Georgia finishing 11 and one 
and uh, having a shot at least to go to the playoff. I, I got them 11-1 going into Atlanta. So, in that scenario, they will be able to control their destiny, and all they'll need to do is just beat Alabama and the championship to make it. You look at their schedule. I mean, they have they have tough games. You mentioned that earlier, JB. I mean, I just don't see how they can get through this schedule without losing at least one, if not two, games. Um, I think the Notre Dame game is going to be tough. And even, I mean, I, I mean, people aren't going to want to say this, but I think even at Tennessee, after uh, Notre Dame is going to be kind of tough. I mean, they have a bye in between that game. But, I mean, not that Tennessee's better than Georgia, but I think Tennessee will play them tough at home where they could. Um, Florida, Florida's not going to be easy in Auburn. A&M, and obviously the SEC championship game if they make it that far. But it's just, it's just not an easy schedule, and everybody's coming for Georgia and the East like everybody comes for Alabama and the West, even though Alabama kind of steamrolls through everyone. Um, let's talk about some players real quick. We, we mentioned players on the offense side, DeAndre Swift, uh, Jake Fromm. Uh, what about the defense side? Hold, the only one I know is Jared Reed. Can you tell me about him and maybe some other? Yeah, I mean, it's just – I mean, they're just loaded on that side of the ball. I mean, they just recruit five stars on five stars. And I just like you were saying, like, I honestly, like, don't even know a lot of their names uh, just because, like, I just you know, I feel like I don't even have to keep track anymore. Like, they're just all – they're always loaded. And, um, you know, I know um, Alabama has Raekwon Davis back for his senior year, and obviously he's really talented. Um, you know, he played – he's basically played, like, since his freshman year, and he's, like, you know, like six, seven. I know some schools actually recruit him as an offensive lineman. And, uh, you know, he's just really explosive playmaker. I remember him making a few plays in that in the Georgia-Alabama game when they played the National Championship game a few years ago. And uh, it's not very common that you see a guy stick around for four or five years at Alabama when they're that good. Usually they go there for like two or three years and then go on to the NFL. But he stuck around. Uh, I'm not sure. I believe he's a fifth-year senior. He was actually – or no, maybe he's a you – no, know, he's a fourth-year senior because he was the same uh, recruiting class as Jeffrey Simmons and A.J. Brown. And – uh you know, obviously he was a Mississippi native, um, the one, one of the ones that left the state. And uh, he's, you know, had a really good career at Alabama, and he's definitely somebody that, you know, I don't know if he's like their best player, but he's definitely someone you look at and, you know, he's kind of like that leader. He's the older guy and, um, you know, looking forward to seeing uh, what he's going to be able to do this year. Um, well, that was an Alabama player that you were talking about for five minutes. I was – more concerned about Georgia players, but that's okay. What um, are you excited about, Rodrigo Blankenship? At least Holt. No, dude. I was like, um, honestly, like I thought that Jaron Reed played for Alabama. Like, did Jaron Reed? Did Alabama not have a guy named Jaron Reed at some point no. recently? They did. I'm talking about J.R. Reed. Uh, okay. Dude, I got so confused when you said that. I was like, I was like, dude, is that is that dude still there? I was like, I was so confused because I <laughs> no, Jaron Reed was a. Dude. I don't have, a, I don't have like a, a depth chart like right in front of me. So like, I was kind of, you know, I was a little confused there for a minute. You, you threw me for a little bit of a loop right there. <laughs> that was a JB moment. JB, you should be proud. People are taking on your personality already. Dude, I thought I thought I rolled with it pretty well, but apparently neither one of you guys bought it. <laughs> yeah. Davey, Davey, do you know any do you know any defensive players for Georgia? Um, I mean, I always leave this kind of the whole holes, <laughs> and I'm more of the offensive expert. You said well, uh, you got to watch out for Nicobe Dean, though. I will give Nicobe Dean a shout out. Apparently, he's really been showing out in practice. Uh, he's a true freshman from not too far from Memphis in Horn Lake, Mississippi. So uh, he's definitely someone to watch out for, a five star linebacker. So. 
keep an eye out for Nicobe Dean this year. And, um, you know, I'm pretty sure most of the Georgia players that I've heard of have already graduated. And uh, <laughs> yeah. as I say, I don't, I don't have a uh, depth chart in front of me. So I'm not going to lie. Like the Georgia-Alabama one, like I guess most people have already figured this out. But, you know, I don't really care. Just well, just because they're they're great. I mean, you like watching them play. It's just they're, they're well, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, like I love watching them play, but it's just like like as far as the preview goes, I'm just kind of like you know, it's all good. It's whatever. I mean, they're good. They're awesome. Like, what else do you need to say? <laughs> yeah. Um, Holt is Georgia Notre Dame the best non conference SEC game this year? Dude, that's actually a really good question. You got Texas A&M, Clemson, and you got Texas uh, LSU. Um, I actually think Notre Dame, Georgia is, is the best, is the two best teams playing each other. Um, I think Texas is a little bit overrated this year. And I think, you know, maybe Texas A&M isn't quite, you know, up to that upper echelon of college football teams this year. Um, so I kind of look at this as probably, it probably is the best out of commerce game this year. Um, you know, obviously Notre Dame went to the playoff last year and uh, got beat up by Clemson. So. You know, they're going to be looking to – he's at some revenge. And, obviously, Georgia went up there a couple of years ago and got the win in Notre Dame. So, uh, you know, it's definitely going to be a, a pretty exciting game. You know, I, I think it's going to be – I don't think Georgia's just going to be able to roll over them uh, like some people are predicting. I think it's actually going to be a pretty close game, but I do like Georgia to get the win in that one. Uh, JB, do you think that the Georgia-Florida game this year is going to be a Georgia – I guess Georgia ass whooping as in Georgia's going to – destroy Florida or I guess Florida as whooping, however you want to say it. Um, Georgia's going to kill Florida just based on uh, Florida talking a whole bunch of ish before the season started. Um, I mean, I don't really see it being, you know, as, as a blowout like maybe some are calling it to be. I think it's going to be a really competitive game. Of course, we still got to watch and see how Georgia looks and we want to see how Florida gets better over the course of the season because I think now we're getting to the, you know, we're, we're going to stop talking about, you know, in the preseason, we're going to get into the season, but I, I, I'm, I got that game circled. It's one of the games I'm looking forward to, you know, later in October, and that's definitely going to probably be the game that possibly could decide the East by that point. Of course, I've got Florida somewhat disappointing with only winning eight games, and after last night's game or against uh, Miami, I, I think my prediction I'm going to keep it at that. It's just they have t- a lot of question marks and a little bit of inconsistencies that I'm not completely sold on, but I still need to see Georgia play too. All right, all right, all right. All right, let's talk about the just SEC season preview. We did a prediction on Twitter of the East and the West. I don't know how much you want to go into team by team here, um, but I'll just go through it real quick. George is going 11-1. Alabama's going 12-0. Uh, we have Vanderbilt and Arkansas's two worst teams. Um, Florida's going 8-4. Missouri's going 8-4. Tennessee's going 7-5. South Carolina going six and six, Kentucky going six and six, um, LSU going ten and two, Auburn nine and three, A and M eight and four, Mississippi State seven and five, Ole Miss five and seven. Um, that was through really quick. Which team do you want to highlight and talk about for a second? Chirp, chirp, chirp. Uh, uh, I, th- I thought I thought JB was going to say something. Yeah. What do you, what do you got? What do you got, JB? <laughs> Oh, I don't have anything. I mean, we haven't we already pretty much highlighted all 14 of these teams uh, with all of our previews? I ain't got shit. <laughs> Dude, the reason I didn't answer was because I wasn't sure if you if you specified the SEC East or not. 
I was sure if you said like the SEC East teams or you're talking about like SEC teams in general. So I was kind of hoping that JB would answer. No, I guess we don't have to talk about like a single team specifically, but if we can just talk about high level. So we think there's probably what like four, four levels or four uh, skill levels of SEC. However you want to say it, I can't think of the right word, but like we we think tiers. echelons, echelons, yeah, tiers. That's a good point. Good way of saying it. Hold tiers. So we think Georgia, Alabama are like way ahead of everybody else. And after that, there's LSU, Auburn, A&M, maybe Florida. Is Florida in the second tier? I'd put Florida in the second tier. Those would be the four teams I'd put in tier two. And after that, you have probably Missouri, Mississippi State, and I guess maybe Tennessee, or Tennessee would be on the outside looking in, depending on how you look at it. JB? Yeah, I would definitely put Missouri, Mississippi State in that next tier. Uh, I mean – you, you almost got to put Kentucky there because of how they finished last year. I mean, they've almost earned that right with the consistency with uh, Mark Stoops, although I do think they're going to uh, kind of not do as well as they did last year. I got them still going to a bowl, but uh, you almost got to put Kentucky in that tier now. I mean, I feel like they don't get enough respect. I mean, I mean hold on, I joke about it all the time that they're the Rod- Kentucky is the Rodney Dangerfield of the SEC. They get no respect. Yeah. But, I mean, I feel like as soon as we start saying, like, all right, they're going to win eight games this year, and then they're going to, like, go four and eight. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Um, yeah, so, uh, and then I guess the third, it'd be Tennessee, South Carolina. I guess it's probably them, too, because then you have you have to put Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Vanderbilt in, like, the last year. Ole Miss just taking a step back this year uh, after losing everybody on offense. So we'll see how that that works out, but that kind of like highlights the uh, importance of that Mississippi State Tennessee game um, because um, we we were saying like Tennessee could be on the outside looking in on the third tier, but um, if they they beat Mississippi State, then they would kind of flip flop. Mississippi State might be on the third tier uh, or fourth tier, and then uh, Tennessee might be on the next level up. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited about that. Holt says he wants to talk about the bets. So. Holt, what what bet do you specifically want to talk about? Um, well, I had a few of them, you know, because uh, Gold Strike and Horseshoe are like right next door to each other. Um, so, uh, you know, we were able to kind of go back and forth and see, like, because some of the uh, season win totals were different at different spots at the two different uh, uh, sports books. So, um, you know, we were able to get some good deals. And, uh, you know, I mean, I had a few of them. I don't know if one of them really stands out to me more than like the rest of them. I know Stanford. Um, I got Stanford and Florida State at seven wins. Uh, I took the over on both of those. Um, Stanford's schedule is really tough. Um, I think the, like like their easiest out of conference game is like at UCF, um, and then they got obviously their non conference game. So really, really tough schedule for Stanford this year. But um, I just think I, I think they can win eight games. I just I just really like uh, David Shaw, and um, you know I think usually when. They're not expected to do much is usually when they come up and surprise some people. So when uh when I went to Stanford, uh, Florida State, um, let's see, had a few other ones as well. I think I took Penn State uh, over eight and a half. Um, I got Notre Dame under nine and a half. Um, so just, you know, just a few bets. Uh, JB had a couple as well. And, uh, you know, just to kind of make the season a little bit more exciting and, uh, I was actually telling JB he didn't realize uh, uh, about like hedging bets, and I was telling him about how like you know I think he had like Texas A&M over, <clears throat> and I was telling him like hey you know if Texas A&M you know I think he got him at seven and a half. If Texas A&M goes into the LSU game with seven wins, and they're somehow like a favorite over LSU in that scenario, 
then you could actually bet on LSU on the money line, and then that way you'd win money either way. Yeah, I mean that'd be fair too. And I mean, I, I made some bets as well. Uh, my bets were a little bit were different from Holt. Uh, we both had you know teams that were really you know high on you know one way or the other you know with the over and the under. I did six different bets with six different teams. I did five with the over and one with the under. So I did uh, Texas A&M. I took them with the over at seven point five. Uh, Arkansas. Sorry, Arkansas fans, but I took the under at 5.5. I'm still not completely uh, sold for them to uh, get to a bowl this year. I mean, I think they're heading in the right direction. Uh, Tennessee, I took the over uh, for 6.5. Iowa, Big Ten team, I took the over for them at 7.5. I really like their schedule. Uh, Oregon, I took the over at 8.5 for them. And then lastly, I took uh, the over on Oklahoma at 10. I think they're pretty much a shoe-in, I think, to win 11 or 12 games in that conference this year. Interesting, interesting. Are you turning into a degenerate, JB? I don't know how to classify that, but no. (laughs) You should, uh, Alex, you should ask JB about what happened when uh, we saw the Andrew Luck news at the sportsbook yesterday. Yeah, he was was texting me about it. So I laid out to me because Schefter tweeted it out, and then people were talking about this too on Twitter, how, like, the casinos weren't – as quick to react to it as they should have been. So, like, there was, like, a 20-minute delay between Schefter's tweet tweet and when they took the bet down, which is funny. <laughs> it's so funny how powerful Adam Schefter is. We, everybody talks about Woj bombs, but Schefter is just as powerful, if not more powerful in the NFL because people, at least I do, and I think most people take his tweets as the gospel, and if he says it, it's, like, actually true in fact. So – people like have notifications on for him i think it's just kind of crazy that immediately he can change the entire sports bet for the colts outlook based off of one tweet yeah like i was really fast about getting up i mean i can i can guarantee you i went and tried to place a bet within 20 minutes of uh you know of that tweet being put out but as soon as i saw it like i got up and i was going to throw out as much cash as I had on hand, like in my, you know, my wallet and what cash I still had left that hadn't betted yet. And I was going to throw everything I had on that uh, over under for Indianapolis and take the under for the win total. I mean, I felt like that was an easy bet and I could have been really rich in uh, in January if I'd been able to pull it off. But as soon as I tried to place the bet, they already told me that the, that bet had already been put on hold. Not really happy about it, but you know, I tried. Have y'all seen people say that there's a way that the Colts could have the three best quarterback prospects in the last, like, 30 years with Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, and maybe Trevor Lawrence in a couple of years, depending on how the Colts, you know, suck, suck enough for them, for him? That would be pretty crazy. But I actually think the Colts are going to be not terrible this year. I mean, I think a lot of people had him projected to go to the playoffs. And uh, I know, obviously, that takes a huge hit with Andrew Luck being, you know, retiring or whatever. But, I mean, you know, I, I think Jacoby Brissett and, I mean, even Chad Kelly has played really well this preseason. You know, I'm not saying they're going to be as good as Andrew Luck by any means, but I still think they're a really talented team. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, were at least like a, you know, flirting with a wild card, you know, late in the season. Yeah, I, I can still see seven or eight wins. And as a Titans fan, I'm still always nervous about the Colts, no matter who their quarterback is, uh, just because they always yeah. have trouble with them. I think he retired 15-0 against the Titans is what I saw. That Yeah, that's crazy. And the Titans also looks pretty shitty tonight against the Steelers. In the, I mean, preseason, not that it matters, but still um, not, a good, not a good day for the Titans. 
Um, I think that about concludes our podcast. We talked about our bets, which is all we want to talk about. And we talked about the food, which is all JB want to talk about. And then we talked about football in between, which is all I want to talk about. So I think yeah. we – And uh, I tried really hard not to eat all of these uh, airheads during this podcast because, like, I mean, the bag is, like, right next to me, and I'm just, like, staring at it. And what? I've been, like – I would, like I just want you all to know that, like, just for uh, the listeners out there, they're, like, I've actually gone through, like, a lot of suffering – during this podcast just so y'all wouldn't have to hear that crackling sound in the background it's it's hard out here it's hard out here for a podcaster um all right well the next podcast we will be closer to week one and doing some seat uh week one previews which we will have a legitimate opportunity to talk about memphis football which i'm pretty excited about so um until then we will see you later thanks for listening so far Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.